that's the biggest obstacle I see artists have because they'll go with a plan, realize that it wasn't what they thought it was, and then completely feel, wow, I'm a failure, instead of, oh, I, I learned something new, and now I can change it. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Bree Noble. Bree is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Bree's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Bree is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, hey, this is Brie Noble, and you are tuned in to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by my free Musician's Profit Path Masterclass, the five-stage blueprint for creating massive growth in your fan base and sustainable income for your music career. If you feel overwhelmed by everything you think you need to do for your music career, or you've watched other musicians and tried to do what they're doing, but it hasn't worked for you, well, don't worry. That's why I created the five stages of music career growth. So you can figure out where you're at right now, learn exactly what you should be focusing on and what you shouldn't be focusing on so you don't waste time and money. I also give you benchmarks to reach in several key areas like live performing, fan base growth, social media, recording, and more. So join me for my free masterclass, The Musician's Profit Path, over at musiciansprofitpath.com. Today is a little more of a discussion than an interview because I'm talking with my friend Suzanne Polinski, the rock star advocate. We approach working with musicians in very similar ways, so I thought it would be fun for us to discuss some topics like goal setting and planning, productivity and habits, and even mindset So we could kind of see where we are similar and where we differ. And it turns out we are very, very similar. She's got some different approaches than I do because she does have a degree in counseling, which is really cool to approach musicians from that angle. Whereas I'm more of the practical, you know, I got my degree in accounting. I approach it from a very business mindset. Um, But we both kind of come out in the same place in the end. And the reason I wanted to do this now is because my get more done in less time five-day training is coming up. I do this once a year to help musicians really get ready for the coming year and get, you know, all organized, figure out what your strengths are, figure out what your goals are and how you're going to achieve them and set up a system for success. So if you want to join me for this free training, it's only once a year. So go over to femmusician.com slash get more done and sign up. That's F as in female, E as an entrepreneur, musician.com slash get more done. And I'll see you inside the training. And I think this discussion will get you excited about setting goals and getting organized for the year ahead. But before we get to that discussion, I just want to introduce you a little bit to Suzanne Polinski. You may remember her as one of my summit speakers on the Profitable Musician Summit but let me tell you a little bit about her. Suzanne Polinski is a mindset coach and the founder of The Rock Star Advocate. Through custom time management systems and tools like her Rock Star Life Planner, Suzanne is on a mission to help music professionals find success without the burnout. Oh, love that. All right, here's my discussion with Suzanne Polinski. 
So that's a little bit about Suzanne Polinsky. So Suzanne, is there anything about you that's maybe a little bit more unique, interesting, uh, quirky even that's not mentioned in your bio that you think our listeners should know? Sure. Well, I don't know if this falls under quirky or not, but um, basically reason I started the Rockstar Advocate was actually because in 2013, I um, came down with Lyme disease and it forced me to work less hours. It forced me to slow down and people have been telling me to do that for years. So, you know, usually when people find out that I I have this because it is chronic, they always say, oh, I'm so sorry. And I always laugh and say, don't it. It helped me build my business. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because this is what it took me to trust the whole working smarter, not harder. And knowing how hard it, it was for me to trust this, this process, this different way of doing things than we're used to, it kind of gave me this perspective to understand how hard it is for musicians to trust that you can slow down and actually get more done and be more successful. So I feel like it's given me a unique perspective and I'm oddly grateful for it. Mm, that, that is really interesting because gosh, being able to empathize with your clients is like, I just so valuable, I think. So that's, that's really cool. And I didn't know that about you. So that's really interesting to me. Um, I, I see you as being like super productive woman, um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad to hear that that's working smarter, not harder. Yeah. I mean, we're all a fan of, but we don't always do that. Right. It's so easy to fall into that working harder. Exactly. Thing. Exactly. And I mean, I was just recently at a conference here in New York and um, people were asking me, it's like, it's like a three or four day conference going on. And they said, are you going today? You're going today. I said, no, I, I went yesterday and I did, you know, I focused on who I wanted to network with. And then I went home because my body can only take so much being out and about and being in big crowds. I get sensory sensitive and stuff like that. So yeah, like understanding my limits and drawing boundaries, but making the most of the time that I have while I'm there, you know, really makes a difference. Yeah, you're almost forced to be really laser focused right. and productive. Yeah. That's that's actually really, really cool. So how did you get started in music? So I started, I went to Drexel University in Philadelphia. I was actually part of the first graduating class of their music industry program. And I just always knew I wanted to be in music, but I'm not a performer. I don't want to perform. I don't like um, you know, being on stage. Um for some reason, talking at conferences is a little feels different for me, but I don't consider myself an artist. So Drexel came up with this really great program where you could learn the business, you could learn contracts and, and production and all of this other great stuff without having to be the performer. So that really, really interested me. And that's kind of where I got my start. And in order to graduate, you needed uh, two years of uh, interning somewhere. So I was able to get an internship at Atlantic Records and everything kind of flew from there. (laughs) Hmm. So before you did come down with the Lyme disease and had to like really change how you were working, what what did your business look like? Oh, it was a hot mess. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It was a real mess. Um, So when I first started in the industry, I was at the major labels. I started at Atlantic and then I went to EMI Astroworks. And I was working 15-hour days and getting paid very, very little money and Mm. just busting my butt. And when I wasn't there working the 15-hour days, I was building this record label with my college roommate. 
And so, I mean, it was just working around the clock and we had no idea what we were doing. I mean, we knew contracts and we knew copyright law and we knew all this other stuff. But in terms of client management and like really understanding the ins and outs of what it takes to run and grow a business, we just didn't really get it. And we ended up working with the wrong people and losing a lot of money. And then we started a consulting business while I went back and um, became a paralegal so I could learn more about contracts and working with the right people and all of that stuff. And so we had a consulting business, but then again, you know, working 24 seven to get it off the ground and not having a real plan in place for how we were going to leverage certain projects and how we were going to grow our client base. We were just very in the dark about basic business uh, 101. So um, those, those businesses were kind of a mess. Um, and then I went back to school for my master's and I thought I'd leave music altogether and do social work. And when I didn't have the, uh, I guess, spine for that or the fortitude to handle the work that social workers have to handle, God bless them, mm. I realized, wow, the things I have learned in psychology can really apply to music and to helping musicians. So I hired a business coach and I really, that's about five years ago is when I really said, okay, I need to go about this correctly. And I need to focus and like take one thing at a time. And it was the same time I got Lyme disease. So I didn't really have a choice. And it was the best thing I did was hire a coach and really understand marketing and client intake processes and all of that stuff. Mm, so do you, so what does your business look like now? Like, do you work on work with clients one-on-one? Do you work in groups? Do you have, are, you, are they more local or are they all online? Yeah, it's pretty much all of that. Um, I do have a group consulting business. It's a monthly subscription accountability uh, group and I help musicians stay accountable to their goals and check in with them each week, a couple times a week. And then we have monthly video calls where we check in and plan our goals for the next month. Um, and then I do work one-on-one with clients most most regularly I do like 90 minute what I call clarity calls where we get really mm-hmm. focused on your goals and next steps and then other times I work with teams I call it team mediation it's almost like marriage counseling and I count <laughs> I do I counsel uh, bands and um, or if it's a manager and their client I can't counsel them to make sure you're you're both on the same wavelength um, I've also worked with business partners um, who maybe own like a record company or production company in the business and they're, you know, they're at odds with one another. So I help, mm-hmm. um, relationships in that way. So it's all, all a mixture. That's basically my, my business model is it's all based in counseling, but it's all, sometimes it's based for time management. Sometimes it's relationship building. It's all different types, uh, of that. That's really interesting, actually. I didn't realize you had such a focus on like the counseling side mm-hmm. and, and all that, which I, I don't know that many people that work with musicians that do that. So I think that's really, really valuable. And obviously your focus, you know, you talk a lot about mindset, you talk a lot about productivity. Um, why don't you tell our listeners, just so I don't forget about your podcast that you have? Oh, sure. Um, the Musicpreneur Mindset Podcast, uh, thank you for that, came out in January, and I'm now batching uh, episodes for season two, which will come out in November. Um, and it's all based on how to think like an entrepreneur. And I know you've been so vital in that role for musicians, you know, teaching them about how to see their business, you know, how to manage that. And so 
we talk a lot each uh, episode about the business. How how can you shift that perspective? And it's a lot of like you said, mindset work and a lot of um, psychology. It's mainly what we talk about each and every week. And once a month, I interview a musician who has been able to build a business for themselves. And I ask them what that process was like. Mm, very cool. Yeah, pretty similar to what I do, but yours is a yeah. little more focused on the mindset side, which I think right. is great. Um, I'm very practical minded. And when I do right. have mindset episodes, I'm like, thank goodness, because I know we need some balance over here. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think that most musicians think of themselves of, as entrepreneurs or is this kind of one of the first things that you have to help them shift in their mind? Yeah, I feel like they kind of, at least in my experience, run away from that. Like mm. they don't want to. And yeah, part of my role when I work with clients is helping them understand what does being an entrepreneur really entail? And because I think it does feel overwhelming for a lot of them. So I think it's vital that they see themselves that way, but I don't always see them seeing that. Um, usually when I meet musicians, it's always, well, can you do this for me? Or do you know somebody who can do this for me? And I say, well, Okay, delegation is different than giving up control. Mm. So let's make sure you're delegating and not just handing it to somebody because that's how you get screwed. <laughs> that's such a good point because so many times they just don't want to know how to do it. Right. They want someone else to handle it. But then when it goes badly, right. like, well, yeah, you're really to blame because you had no idea what they were doing over there. <laughs> 100%. No. <laughs> But yeah. I get it. I mean, I, I, I had an actual episode about this a couple of weeks ago and it was about, you know, finding a virtual assistant, but I'm like, you guys cannot just hand something off. You have to learn how to do it first and, you know, create a system for it and then give it to them. And the key is you have to do this before you get desperate, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And I think a lot of them are afraid of being bad at it, especially mm. when they're amazing musicians and they're used to doing what they're good at. Mm. It's like, well, I don't want to manage my finances and suck at it. And it's like, yeah, you're going to suck at it. But at least just get familiar with the terms and the things that you need to do so that when you do delegate it, you can know the person you've hired knows what they're doing. Because you're like, okay, we're speaking the same language. I understand what you're going to do for me. I know what questions to ask, you know, stuff like that. So get a little messy. It's okay. And you'll fix it by having someone help you. <laughs> right. And we're not saying that you have to be the best person at this. You right. just have to know how it's done right? <laughs> in general. Right. Got to see how that sausage is made. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> so what are some of the other common stumbling blocks that you encounter with your clients? The main thing is I, and I use this term when I write content all the time, because I hear the same words, burnt out and overwhelmed, burnt out and overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And that's like this endless cycle. And I, I, you know, working at the majors more than, you know, I guess 15 years ago at this point, I know what that's like. I have, I have a podcast episode that talks about how I quit my job five times <sighs> and I just kept showing back up to work because I'd quit. And then as I walk out the door, I'd hear the, you know, you'd be lucky. There are people lined up around the corner to have your job. And, mm -hmm. you know, and then I, I'd, I'd get scared and I'd say, okay, I'll come back. And I, I hated it. And I was afraid to be wrong. I was afraid that's something I worked so long at accomplishing. Like, man, I dreamed at like 12 years old to be working at a label. And I was finally there at 2021 and I wanted to quit. And I was like, what is, what's wrong with me? Instead mm. of just saying, no, I, I got a taste of what it was and it's not for me. But, you know, really just having that overwhelm of 
changing my mind, <laughs> changing my mind and being able to do something else and feel confident that I can, that I can change my mind and that I can get messy and start over or, or change course. Um, I think that's, that's the biggest obstacle I see artists have because they'll go with a plan, realize that it wasn't what they thought it was, and then completely feel, wow, I'm a failure instead mm -hmm. of, oh, I, I learned something new and now I can change it. Oh, I totally agree with that. And ugh, yeah, I mean, overwhelm and burnout, especially burnout has yeah. been something I've been focusing on a lot lately because heck, I've been there. I know what sure. it's like. <laughs> yeah. You know, I haven't worked at a major record label, but I think, you know, some of the issue is that we've idealized these things, right? Like you can't, right. you can't bash yourself for having this dream from the age of 12 and then getting there and not being happy with it because we've totally idealized that. We think it's going to be a certain way mm -hmm. when we get there. And I'm sure musicians are the same way. They probably think, well, when I get to this certain level, I'm not going to have to do any of this grunt work anymore. <laughs> like, no, there's more work, you know, you have to, you have to level up. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and you know, as an entrepreneur, it's like, I saw a meme recently that said, you know, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And it was crossed out and said, you'll never work harder in your life. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. It's like, you know, you, you, you've got your own thing going on and you're, you know, you work your tail off and it's, it does just because you love it. I mean, that, that make, you know, it's fortunate, but it doesn't make the work easier. <laughs> well, and it's harder to pull back because you're driven by that. Passion, yes. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Ugh, I know. I know how that feels. I'm like, you don't, like this is the thing you love. Like this, right. this music is your baby. And so you don't want to think about failing at it. So you just keep working harder and harder and harder. So how do you help your clients work hard, work smarter and not harder? Yeah, I think the first thing is I, you know, and like I said, this is hard to trust because, and I know because it took getting sick for me to actually listen to this, but it really is about slowing down and understanding. I think the thing I've realized is that it's, it's not that we set ourselves up for failure because we have an unrealistic understanding of how much time we have in a day. Because we keep saying, well, you know, we have the same 24 hours that Beyonce has. And I hate when I see hmm. memes. It gets me, it really gets me angry because it's like, no, you don't have those same 24 hours because she has an entire village working around the clock. Of course she works hard, but I guarantee you she gets a full night's rest unless it's like a very specific, you know, I'm sure she didn't get a full night's rest before Coachella, but I guarantee you she is sleeping and eating right and having somebody make sure she does that because mm. she has to be at her best. So, you know, understanding you don't have 24 hours in the day to work. You have only 16 hours really to be awake. And if you have a day job, then you have eight hours left to yourself. And then if you add in transportation time and eating and running personal errands, you're about four, maybe three hours of work, you know, time a day to give to yourself. And that's divided up to your personal time or family members or working at your craft. I mean, you really don't have 24 hours in the day. So being realistic in what you can get done each day is going to help you because it's not that you're failing or falling behind. You didn't even give yourself the correct starting point. <laughs> mm. So understanding, okay, if I can get two out of three things done today, it's a success rather than, oh, I only got two things out of 15 done. I stink. 
no, Superwoman wasn't going to get 15 things done that day. So you already set yourself up to fail. <laughs> oh, I love that. I mean, it's, it's so true. And I, I approach it the same way. It's like, I, I suggest doing three things a day, like you were yes. saying. And then when you do those three things, hey, if you have more energy, do more. If not, exactly. you don't have to feel guilty because you did those three things. You made progress. 100%. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that, that like list, the laundry list that's like calling to you and mm-hmm. you know, mocking you all day <laughs> is like the worst. <laughs> I know. And, and like, I do little tricks too, to like, if I'm in a slump, I'll start adding things to the list that I've already done just so I can I like that one. Because like that feeling of checking things off, it's Uh like, okay, I've got this. And so if I'm having a really rough day, I'll write down, brush my teeth, change my clothes, eat breakfast. And I'm like, all right, I can do that. That's doable. And then you're like on a roll. (laughs) You're like, all right, I can do the next thing. That's so fun. I do something similar to like, (laughs) so like I have a weekly Facebook live, but every once in a while it's a holiday week or something and I'm not doing it, but I still keep all those items. Oh, look, check this off. I don't have to do this. I don't have to do this. I'm, oh, cool. Look at all these things I did, you know? Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Do you find that artists like resist planning and goal setting? Is that like their immediate response to resist it or do they want it? They just don't know how. I, it's a little bit of both. It's interesting you say that I had um, done, uh, one of my friends has a, a magnificent podcast called Brunch and Budget and her husband is a rapper. And so we did like a live consultation on their podcast a couple years ago, two years ago, I think. And we were talking about planning and he really just all of a sudden had this outburst. And he said, I, I no, I don't want to, cause I said, well, you know, where do you want to be 12 months from now? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, I think I know, but I might, it might not be that way. And so, you know, it was really a, a breakthrough. And I started to see that again, it's about the fear of being wrong. Mm. So it's this, like, they do know what they want and they do want to plan for it, but it's this fear of what if I put in this time right now, like I have a a weekly planner that I created for musicians and it'll say in the beginning, it'll say, set a, set a, um, two hours aside to sit down and really look at your full year ahead. And, and I say in it, I get it. Like just hearing that is going to make you get anxious because you'll be like, I don't know. There's so many factors I don't know about yet, but it's like, write it in pencil then. Because if you don't know where you want to go, you can't work backwards and reverse engineer it to figure out what your first steps are. So it's okay to have a goal in mind, even if it's going to change, but it will at least tell you where to start. And then you start and then you learn new things and you might have to change that goal. That's okay. But, you know, constantly, I mean, I, I'm sure you do the same thing. Like I check in with myself at least once a week just to be like, am I still is this still the goal I'm working towards? If not, I change it, but you can learn a lot in a week and you might be like, oh, this is not what I thought it was going to be. I'm going to, ch- or I learned, I learned that there's something else better for me to put my time into. I'm going to tweak my goal. Um, and I think that's fine, but you got to start somewhere. So that's interesting. Cause I, I'm actually a little more rigid that, I mean, I, it's not that people can't change their goals, but I'm like, right it's so tempting to keep changing your goals. Oh, for sure. So how do you strike that balance between being flexible and following what you think you should do versus like that shiny object thing? Oh, you know, yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, because I call it shiny object syndrome. It's so funny you brought that up. Yeah, and thank you for allowing me to clarify because you're absolutely right. I definitely don't think people should, you know, all of a sudden, oh, I heard about this new opportunity. I'm going to drop everything and go do this. 
I, one of the best things I read in Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill um, was successful people make quick decisions, but they tweak them slowly. Mm. So I guess what I mean is over the course of a year, that goal might look different by the time you get to it, but always check in weekly, like, you know, am I tweaking this? Do my, my numbers that maybe I set for myself have to be tweaked or the help that I thought I needed? Maybe I found a better app or maybe I found something to help me. Like, um, I'm glad you brought that up. It's more like smaller tweaks mm. and smaller reflections just to always make sure that you're still on the right course. And I think if you do hit a wall where you're like, wow, no, this is definitely not what I want anymore. I'm not happy. I'm not fulfilled. It's beyond like, oh, this is just too hard. But like, really feel like this is wrong. Then yeah, change course. But you're absolutely right. Don't like do a 180. Just it can tweak it. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. And you may like go down this one course to achieving that goal and you're like, no, this isn't working for me. Like you said, and then, but you're not changing your goal. You're changing the direction that you're getting there from, mm-hmm. which makes total sense. Um, so I, I'm just curious, cause I have kind of my goal setting system that I teach my students. What, how does yours work? Like, is it based around a year? Is it based around 90 days? And what does it look like? Yeah, I find like everybody works different. So I kind of have a more open kind of template. And usually then when people work with me, I I ask them about like their productivity rhythm. So like, you know, are you somebody that needs a lot of accountability or do you like working in the morning or at night? And, you know, like I feel like it's a little bit more personal to each person. Mm -hmm. Overall, I like to start with like a year or a quarter, you know, three, six or 12 month kind of plan. And then I like to work backwards from that. So, you know, if I know where I want to be in a year or six months, I say, okay, well then let me break that down. What are the pieces I need to do that and keep breaking it down and keep breaking it down until you get to like really what I call like the micro tasks Mm -hmm. and figuring out then, okay, based on my schedule, which I teach time blocking, um, where I kind of block out different focus sections of my day and week. And then I say, okay, within your time blocks that you set for yourself, where can these tasks get accomplished? Like I have, say, Wednesdays, I set aside about five hours for clients. So anything that's related to clients on a Wednesday or a Friday, that goes in like that chunk of time. And, you know, and then I have to see, okay, if I need a little bit more time for the clients on those days, I give that. But if, if not, like that's the time and that's when I do that work. And it's about drawing boundaries and saying to people, okay, I can get you this and you'll have it by next Wednesday. Obviously, if there are certain circumstances where they need it sooner, we work that out. But, you know, I always kind of teach just putting boundaries around your time and understanding what your steps are to the goals that you want to meet. And then I kind of like pug, uh, pick and plug. <laughs> like I take it off my master list and I plug it into where those time blocks are so I can get them done. And it goes on the calendar. Mm. I don't know if that's like a roundabout way to explain it. No, but. <laughs> totally. I mean, that is very similar to the way I teach it as well. Um, I do kind of focus on 90 day blocks just because yeah. it, it, it gives people somewhere to start definitely, you know, and not be like overwhelmed, but not, you know, not be, not be so short-sighted. Like you need to like a ramp to see that you actually made progress. I think 90 days is a great number for that, but it's nice if you can have like all year or, you know, to like see that progression as well, having a full year goal. That's definitely really cool. Um, so let's switch to talking about mindset. Cause obviously that's something that you specialize in. 
What are the common mindset hurdles that you see when you work with musicians? Yeah, a lot of it, as, as we've talked about so far, is just, you know, the, the failure of being wrong. Because mm-hmm. back when, I, I mean, you know, the music industry, when I was learning about it and kind of in it and interning, it was still the, the major label game. So, you know, they were still doing, is actually when I was leaving the labels, that's when they started dropping the development deals. Mm. So they weren't developing artists yep. anymore. Um, but that's really, it kind of became now, okay, musicians, like you've now got to wear the business hats and you've got to do this stuff. And I think there's, they're still in this mindset of, but I'm the artist. What do I know? Because that's what the industry pushes. It's like, you're just the creative, shut up and let us do this. And (laughs) the artists are just like, oh, I'm, I'm not good enough or smart enough or capable enough, or I don't have the time, you know, to to learn the business stuff or to make good decisions. I need somebody else to do it. So I think that's the biggest hurdle is just believing that you can learn this. Um, I always think of a baker and when they're ready to open up their bakery, they don't just say, well, I don't, I don't know how to, you know, look for a good lease on a building. So I guess I'll never open up my bakery. Like, no, the baker, their talent is making the food, but they do need to learn (laughs) certain Mm -hmm. things if they want to open up their own store and a lot of it doesn't have to do with baking. And so any, anybody being an entrepreneur, as you know, it's scary and there's a learning curve. But if how many millions of entrepreneurs do we have in the world? Like if, and if they can do it, you can do it. <laughs> like, yeah, and it's such a double-edged sword because then, you know, the, the labels taking away this development opportunity right. for artists, it has opened up the market to so many other artists being able to be successful because you don't have to have a label, but then on the other hand, you have to know all these other things. So it's like before there was fewer people in the game, but they could focus on their music mostly. Although then it's like, well, what are people doing in the background? And that's why so many artists have been screwed because they've just completely not paid any attention to the business side, (laughs) you know? Right. And it's this patience thing, you know, it's like we, we hear of, oh, Beyonce just dropped an album overnight or, oh, Justin Bieber came out of nowhere, which he didn't, but like, that's how it's marketed. So, you know, you, you get on this feeling of like, oh, I need to fit, believe me, Beyonce didn't just finish her album and then drop it. That music was done for years. Like that music had months and months and months of planning behind it before she just dropped it. But people just assume, oh, like this was immediate. And, you know, there's this, uh, false understanding of how, of like this turnaround time. Um, and so I think it's also the patience. I know Gary V talks about this all the time is like having the patience to understand, I know you just finished your music and I know it's going to feel old to you by the time you put it out, but it's still going to be new to the people listening to it. So like get like pace yourself, get your stuff in order, you know, don't be in such a rush because there's a lot of other moving pieces to putting out music than just finishing the record. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good point. And you only get one chance to release your record. So right. you've got to be prepared and not just drop it, as you say. Right. <laughs> so let me ask you this about this other thing, because it came up actually today in a call I was doing. And, and then I know we're going to be talking about it again this week. It's such a big topic. But like, what about just that fear and resistance that artists come up against when they have to put themselves out there into the world or they have to go out and like market themselves or go to a venue and try to get booked. There's my experience with a lot of people I work with is there's just so much 
fear and resistance, like who am I to be doing this? Mm -hmm. How can they get past that? Yeah. The fraud talk. Uh Um, (laughs) I like that fraud talk. Yeah. I had, I had an episode once that I called it shut the fraud up. Um, (laughs) and and it was really, it was based around, um, a story, uh, somebody had posted, uh, in my Facebook group, it was right around the holidays. And they said, you know, I, I go home and I sit around the table with my family and they're like, you're still doing that? Or like, is anything ever going to happen with this? Or when are you going to give up on this? Or when are you going to get a real job? And it makes you, th- and I have, I experienced the same thing. Luckily, not with all my family members. I did have many supportive ones, but I did experience that as well. And I get that. It's like, it makes you feel like, yeah, who am I? Like, why am I even doing this? Or you have a hater online and they say like, your album sucks. And you're like, oh my God, they're right. Even though 20 people told you it was awesome that one person makes you feel like, you know, whatever. Um, so I, I do think it's all about understanding that those are just voices in your head that you can silence um, and that you can do other things to focus on the good things. I always save testimonials or words of encouragement in like a little folder, mm-hmm. like even from jobs I had 15, 20 years ago. And I just save them in a folder and I look at them when I'm having a bad day because I'm like, okay, at some point somebody did like working with me. Like maybe today somebody didn't, or maybe today somebody said something that put me down, but I do have something to share with the world and I, and I can give value. And so just understanding that this is going to be an emotional roller coaster, and you got to be in it for the long haul. So a gratitude journal, um, you know, focusing on all the good and I'll leave the one last thing I want to say about it is my coach this was like a game changer for me. She said, and she's not in the music industry, which I was a little hesitant about hiring someone not in the industry, but turned out to be like the best thing ever. Mm. Um, but she had said to me, you know, why do we go through life? You know, the future is 50-50, but we always assume the future is going to be bad because that's just where our mind goes. It's, you know, um, it's survival, right? You, you don't want to get hurt. And so you always assume it's going to be bad. But what if we just spent that journey to get to that point thinking it's going to be really good and the chances are it's probably going to be somewhere in the middle between the most awesome thing and the worst thing ever, right? So at least while you're getting there, assume that more things will go right than will go wrong Mm. and it'll just make the whole journey a little bit better. And so I always keep that in mind when I start to feel like, oh, this is going to stink or, oh, nobody's going to like this or you know, flip, flip the script. You know, what if it was really awesome? What if you touched somebody and gave them the the words and the song that they needed to hear that day? Don't keep that from them. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. And plus I always think like, you know, if everybody liked the same thing, then there'd only be vanilla ice cream and no other flavors, (laughs) Right. right? Like, no, we like mint chip and we like, you know, strawberry ice cream and, you know, rainbow sherbet and all that. So you have to know that not everybody's going to like your music and not everybody likes everything in the world. So it would be kind of ridiculous if everybody liked your music. And yeah, it sucks when sometimes those people that don't like it are vocal. I mean, how does vanilla ice cream feel when my daughter walks in and goes, I hate vanilla ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like if it was a person that would make it really bad. So we have to, and, and I feel that way too, like about even the clients I work with, you know, it's like, some clients are just not the right clients for me. They, you know, right. they join the academy and then they only stay for a few months 
and it's not for them. That's fine. But some people stay for years and years and they love it. And I know that I'm serving them. So you need to think about your music that way as well, is that you're serving the people that you're supposed to be serving. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love this. Yep. <laughs> this has been such a great conversation. Thank I you know. so much. I, I, I've been waiting for three years to get you on here and, um, you know, finding a way that we could have a conversation that was more two way, because I know that we, we kind of have a lot of very similar ideas about how to serve musicians. I think we serve a little bit different clientele, but we're clearly very much on the same page. So it's really cool to to hang out with somebody that gets where I'm coming from. So can you let our listeners know the best way to get in touch with you online? Yes. And I, I also just want to quickly say like, thank you for the work that you do. Cause that profitable musician summit was, I mean, I learned so much from it and I still get emails from people saying, Hey, like I, I met you from there, but like, Oh my God, wasn't that an amazing summit? Like mm-hmm. I just last week, somebody was telling me how much they learned from that. And the work that you do is so, so important. So that is so cool to hear. And yes, we are doing Profitable Musician Summit 2019. I'm nice. excited about it. Good. Yes. Good. Cause it really, it really was something special and different. And I just, um, I was really happy that I could be a part of it. And so thank you for what you do. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm everywhere. Rockstar Advo, um, Facebook, the Rockstar Advocate, but Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, YouTube, it's Rockstar Advo. And I could talk about mindset and time management all day long. So if anybody wants to chat, just feel free to hit me up. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here and just having this great conversation with me. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com with editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson.